Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the channel. And today I'm going to give my review of AEW's Dynamite. Starting off the evening, we'll go to our first match of the night. It is FTR teaming up with the Acclaimed versus the Guns and Swerve in our glory. Before the match even gets started, Billy Gunn makes his way down to the ring, quickly attacks Swerve. The match itself, though, was a good match. Back and forth matchup between both teams with Austin and Dax Harwood both exchanging in the middle of the ring. FTR and the Acclaimed were keeping the pace of the match. Guns that hit a big rig on Anthony Bowens in the middle of the ring. Swerve then hits a corkscrew to the outside, takes everyone out. Dax then applies a sharpshooter on Austin in the middle of the ring, but the hold, the hold is broken. And FTR and Acclaimed ultimately hit the finish. Pins for the three. And your winners of the match are FTR and the Acclaimed. Hats off to FTR and the, the Acclaimed for getting the win in that matchup. Moving on from that, we go into our next match of the night. It is an AEW title eliminator matchup. It is Eddie Kingston versus Ethan Page. I thought this was a good match. Back and forth matchup between Kingston and Page. Eddie lands devastating chops on Page in the middle of the ring. Kingston then pretty much keeping the pace of the match. Page then hits a suplex on the outside. It looked absolutely brutal. Kingston and Page both exchange in the middle of the ring with Kingston hitting a DDT for a near fall. Kingston then hits an exploder suplex on Page, but Page ultimately hits an avalanche ego's edge off the top rope on Eddie Kingston, pins him for the three, and your winner of the match is Ethan Page. A couple of things I'm going to say about this match, man. Number one, this was a solid match, number one. Number two is this, this tournament thing, man, for the AEW, an opportunity for the AEW championship. What I'm going to say, man, it might be a hot take, to be honest with you, but I'm going to be 100% honest with you all since I've been, like, how I've been since day one. Uh, I love the tournament format. I think the tournament format is fantastic for professional wrestling, hence the King of the Ring and why the King of the Ring back in the day was so good. With that being said, Tony Khan is, like, bleeding this tournament format constantly, man. There's tournaments for the AEW PBS Championship, AEW Interim Champion, uh, Women's Championship, so many tournaments, man. It's just absolutely insane. Not only that, with this tournament alone, there's so many names out there that could have been utilized for this tournament. I feel like this tournament for the AEW Championship is just very weak, man, in my honest opinion. Do I see Ethan Page beating MJF or John Moxley? No, I don't see it. Absolutely not. And not only that, man, there's so many names right now that are just not being used or utilized at all. I mean, where, where the hell was Miro at? Nobody has seen anything from Miro in quite a while. Quite a while. You have Miro, you have Darby Allen. You could have thrown Jay Lethal in the mix if you wanted to. Wardlow, Samoa Joe. I mean, this tournament could have been really, really good, man. And I feel like this tournament is very lackadaisical. Just in its entirety, man. It's just it's very weak. And there's so many, you know, so much talents out there that, you know, that are in AEW that could have been a part of this tournament and made the tournament great. Darby Allen could have been a, you know a dark horse in this tournament. You know, let's say MJF did beat John Moxley. I mean, you could have, you know, MJF versus Darby Allen because when they originally had their first match, you know, the promos were great. The segments were great. The match itself was awesome between Darby Allen and MJF uh, in their first, you know, first match. And it would have been great, man, to see Darby Allen in it. You know, not only that, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, man. I mean, right now there's really no strong build with this Jungle Boy Luchasaurus thing with Christian. And, at first, yeah, it was, you know, the storyline was red hot, but I feel like as of late, it's just kind of, 
it's gotten weak, man. The storyline's not as strong as it once was when you know this whole thing went down between Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. In my opinion, if I was Tony Khan, I would throw Jungle Boy on one side of the bracket of the tournament and Luchasaurus on the other side of the tournament and have those guys possibly meet in the finals, man. It tells a great story. The story writes itself, and it would make for a great match, in my honest opinion, man. But all in all, I think the tournament for the AEW Championship is very weak right now, man. They could have added a lot more names to that tournament, but they didn't. Uh, but hats off to Ethan Page for getting the win over Eddie Kingston. Moving on from that, we go into our next match of the night. It's pretty much an open challenge match. It is Wardlow versus Ari Davari for the TNT Championship. Uh, this was a glorified squash match. Uh, Wardlow was pretty much keeping the pace throughout the entire match with Wardlow hitting multiple power bombs on Ari Davari. Pins him for the three, and your winner of the match and still TNT champion is Wardlow. After the match, Wardlow calls out Will Hobbs. Wardlow says that he's going after all the gold. Samoa Joe was also ringside during the match between Wardlow and Ari Davari. Samoa Joe then gets in the ring. Joe's, you know, Wardlow's pretty much trying to call out uh, Will Hobbs. Hobbs pretty much, you know, comes out to the ring, causes a distraction. I guess Wardlow didn't see that Samoa Joe was behind him, and then Joe ends up attacking Wardlow. Couple things I'm going to say about this, man. Number one, I am very happy that we're not going to see Wardlow versus Samoa Joe. I thought it was. I thought it was trash, man, to be honest with you. The concept of those two guys teaming up, I mean, they're both great in their own right. Great wrestlers, athleticism, great athletes. But to have the Ring of Honor Television Championship uh, champion and the TNT champion teaming up, it was just, it's not needed, man. And honestly, you know, you have Samoa Joe and Wardlow kind of, you know, breaking up as a tag team. It's kind of the same thing that's going to happen to Swerve and Keith Lee. Uh, You know, eventually those guys are going to go their separate way. That's just, it's bound to happen at this point. Swerve's going to be a heel, and Keith Lee's going to be a babyface. Warlow is going to be a babyface, and Samoa Joe is going to be a heel. And to see Samoa Joe attack Wardlow, I mean, obviously that tag team partnership is over. And who knows, man, maybe we'll see Wardlow versus Samoa Joe at full gear, but it's still yet to be seen. But I wasn't shocked that Joe attacked Wardlow. I was, you know, actually very happy because those two guys do not need to be in a tag team together right now, in my honest opinion. But Hats off to Warlow for getting the win over Ari Davari. Moving on from that, we have a Soraya and Britt Baker segment. Um, Soraya and Britt Baker go back and forth. Uh, Soraya then says, you know, grabs the microphone, says that, you know, a lot of people have been waiting to hear from Soraya about her medical, whether she's cleared or not medically to uh, perform in the ring. And Soraya says, you know, with a tear coming down her eye, that she is medically cleared. That's right. Soraya is medically cleared. She's now allowed to wrestle in AEW. Uh, Baker then, you know, disses the fans. Baker then mocks Soraya. Baker says Soraya left her house to walk in Baker's house. Soraya says that Baker is ungrateful and that Soraya announced that it would be Soraya versus Britt Baker at full gear. You know, a couple things about this, man. Number one, it is absolutely fantastic that Soraya got medically cleared and she's allowed to compete again man it's been so long since we've seen page compete in the squared circle so it's absolutely awesome to see that um you know the match between soraya and Britt baker at full gear is going to be a definitely a lot of eyeballs are going to be on that match especially when it comes to soraya you know first return in the ring just in general and to go up against Britt baker is going to be absolutely awesome um the other thing i'm going to say too is about Britt baker man and you know the AEW women's division, that locker room, it, it, to me, it is in shambles, man. I think, you know, 
I know some people have their own, you know, ill will towards the women's locker room and some, you know, people out there, you know, have their little, you know, qualms with the women's locker room. I think the women's locker room for AEW is not bad. I really don't think it's that bad, but do I think there needs to be a lot more improvement? Yes, I do. I think you can't just build a division around Jay Cargill. I think Jade, you know, Jade's doing well for herself. I mean, you can't say that she's not. She's undefeated for a reason. And Tony Khan is trying to build a show around Jay Cargill, and she's undefeated. And, you know, everybody's going to be waiting for whoever's going to dethrone Jay Cargill and win that TBS championship. I mean, hell, it could be Nyla Rose at full gear because it's going to be Jay Cargill versus Nyla Rose for the TBS championship. Um, so Nyla Rose could, you know, break the streak, if you will. But uh, the women's, you know, the women's locker room in AEW, it definitely, it, it does need help, man. It definitely needs to be more storylines, you know, more, you know, title defenses, stuff like that. And even for big, you know, highlighted pay-per-view matches, there need to be, there needs to be a storyline, you know, for sure. And who knows when we'll see Thunder Rosa again, you know, Thunder Rosa has been gone for a little while now. So who knows when she'll come back, hopefully soon. Um, But yeah, I mean. The women's locker room, it needs to come together. It needs to gel perfectly together. And it's the same thing with the men's roster, you know, on AEW. Obviously, they had their little qualms. You know, you had Andrade and Guevara, the elite, and all their, you know, stuff with uh, CM Punk and stuff like that, which it does look like that, you know, that whole investigation with the elite and CM Punk is coming to an end. And I'll get into that a little bit, you know, later in the podcast. But this is great news, man. I'm excited Soraya is back. She's able to wrestle again. She's medically cleared to wrestle again. And that match between Soraya and Britt Baker, man, is going to be absolutely insane at full gear. So definitely looking forward to that. Uh, moving on from that, we go into our next match of the night. It is Jay Lethal versus Trent Beretta. Uh, Jay quickly attacks Trent. The match itself was a good match. Back and forth match between Jay Lethal and Trent Beretta with Jay Lethal keeping the pace of the match. Lethal was working on the legs of Trent. Trent then hits an avalanche half and half on Jay Lethal. Satnam Singh then attacks Dan Housen. Jay Lethal then capitalizes on that, hits a lethal injection on Trent Beretta, pins him for the three, and your winner of the match is Jay Lethal. After the match, Jeff Jarrett makes his way down the ramp. Jeff Jarrett says that he's here for change in AEW. Jarrett then talks about, you know, the glory days of TNA, and that Jeff Jarrett also calls out Darby, Allen, and Sting, and it was announced for, you know, for full gear. That is going to be Darby Allen and Sting teaming up to go up against Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett at Full Gear, man. Um, to be honest with you, and I mentioned this when uh, Jeff Jarrett, you know, kind of made his debut for AEW. I don't know how it's going to work, man, to be honest with you. I, you know, I know what he signed on for. He signed on to be an in-ring performer and, you know, director of business relations or something like that for AEW. Um, I don't know how that's going to pan out, man, because, you know, the thing of it is, you know, when Jeff Jarrett came in AEW, he was talking about the glory days from when Jerry Jarrett was running his great promotion out in Memphis, which was a great promotion. A lot of legends came out of Memphis wrestling, a lot. You know, most notable, Jerry Lawler, obviously, Jerry Jarrett, you know, Jackie Fargo. I mean, there's a lot of guys that came out of that promotion that made a humongous name for themselves. You know, hands down, even Rocky Johnson, I believe, wrestled for uh, Memphis wrestling at one point as well. So it's nothing, you know, I'm not taking anything away from Jerry Jarrett. This is pertaining to Jeff Jarrett. Jeff Jarrett, I mean, you've seen his run, and, you know, my, my biggest thing with Jeff Jarrett, I'm not going to sit here and say the guy's not a good wrestler. He is a really good wrestler, but to me, he's always been a knockoff to Ric Flair. He's always trying to be like Ric Flair, whether it's the strut, 
the figure four leg lock. Like he can't do his own moveset. You know, even his WCW run, man, let's face facts. It wasn't like, oh, he was the, you know, the next, next best thing in WCW. He wasn't. In my honest opinion, and this was at a time where WCW was like almost on its way out, to be honest. And then you look at his impact wrestling days. I mean, honestly, yeah, I'll give Jeff Jarrett credit where credit's due. His best run in professional wrestling was when he was in impact wrestling. But let's look at the narrative. Jarrett was also a booker for impact wrestling, uh, trying to take over impact wrestling. And he was going back and forth with Dixie Carter. And obviously that turned into a big old turmoil mess. Then he went into business with himself with global, I believe it was global force wrestling. And he, I believe it was a whole lawsuit, man. Like the company folded. It didn't really pan out for Jeff Jarrett as far as running his own business. So clearly, yeah, he's not like his dad, Jerry Jarrett. But besides that, I mean, you're going to give, you're going to bring Jeff Jarrett in. Okay. And then you're going to instantly give this man a match at full gear when he's done jack shit since he's been with AEW. He hasn't done a damn thing. At least get the man a match on Dynamite before you put him in a pay-per-view match on Full Gear. Seriously, I mean, not only that, no offense to Sting. Sting is absolutely fantastic, but who in the hell wants to see Jeff Jarrett step in the ring again with Sting? Seriously. I mean, didn't we just get this shit not too long ago with the uh, Ric Flair's last match thing? Where it was like promoted from Jim Crockett Promotions, where it was Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal versus Ric Flair and Andrade? I mean, come on, man. Seriously. You know, I know there's people out there that are humongous Jeff Jarrett fans. I am not. I think Jarrett is a walking knockoff of Ric Flair, and he's trying to do his best to be Ric Flair. I watched Jeff Jarrett even in the early WWE days when he was, you know, hanging out with the roadie, a.k.a. Road Dog, and, you know, his whole little country music act, and, oh, ain't I great. It, dude, it was trash, man. Absolutely trash. Seriously. And I know some people are like, oh, well, you know, you're picking on Jeff Jarrett. No, the truth's the truth, man. You know, you have wrestlers that you like. And I, like I said, I respect Jeff Jarrett. I do. He's a really good wrestler, but there's no need for him in AEW at all. Okay. And this is not Impact Wrestling. And honestly, it goes about, you know, it's basically what I said about what Ring of Honor's doing. Like, I understand Tony Khan owns Ring of Honor, but with Ring of Honor's titles being defended on AEW, it takes away. Some of the spotlight from AEW Dynamite, which is absolutely true, 100%. So I don't know how this Jared thing is going to pan out, but, you know, we'll see. After that, we have a John Moxley segment. Moxley talks about the past, talks about, you know, hypes up uh, William Regal and said that, you know, John Moxley wanted to test himself against Regal. And, you know, Regal won their match the first time, and then John Moxley ended up beating uh, Regal the second time. Kind of talks about how Moxley was pretty much kind of like a journeyman wrestler, kind of like how William Regal was. And uh, Moxley shows a lot of respect to Regal. He talks about MJF as well. He also said that he wants MJF at full gear at his best. So that match is going to be absolutely insane, man. Like I stated before when this was announced, that seeing John Moxley versus MJF, I don't see there being any negative on whoever wins this match, man. I mean, if MJF wins this match, I think sky's the limit for AEW, personally. I think a lot of people are going to be tuned in to AEW knowing that, you know, MJF is their world champion. Um, but with that being said, too, John Moxley's done a hell of a job carrying this company on his back. He's continued to keep doing that day in and day out. And uh, he's done a fantastic job, man, really. You want to talk about a guy that went from being in WWE that not a lot of people were invested in John Moxley or Dean Ambrose. And then John Moxley comes over to AEW and just blows up on the scene, man. And 
you know, it's been sky's the limit ever since. The guy literally reinvented his career overnight when he joined AEW, hands down. Everybody, when John Moxley showed up, I believe it was at the first double or nothing, that crowd erupted, man. Seeing him walk through the crowd, you know, getting face-to-face, I believe it was uh, Kenny Omega. It was absolutely insane that night, man. I'll never forget that, ever. It was absolutely insane, man. But I'm definitely looking forward to MJF versus John Moxley at full gear. Speaking of full gear, we have an elite video package, which honestly, man, these video packages have been coming out quite a bit over the past few weeks um, about the elite. Um, it's shown the elite in the early days, you know, them growing up and, you know, becoming fans of pro wrestling, getting in the business uh, and kind of taking a trip down memory lane, man, if you will. And it also showed during, you know, these little vignettes that, you know, especially this one last night, it showed, you know, what looked like the symbol of full gear. You know, you see like the clock and the gear turning and everything else like that. Do I think the elite will show up at full gear? In my opinion, yeah, I do. Um, whether it's at full gear or next week's Dynamite, the go home show to full gear, um, I definitely think the elite are going to be back here within a week or two, whether it's next week for the go home show or at full gear. I totally see that happening. And I can see the elite coming back a whole new different elite, man. I think they'll come back as baby faces and, you know, Give us, you know, great matches, man. Back to, you know, really kind of get back to business. I think, you know, they, I think they should understand now what happened with them and CM Punk. And at the end of the day, you know, Tony Khan, yeah, he's running the company, but without, you know, the brains of, of Cody Rhodes and, you know, Matt and Nick Jackson, Kenny Omega, Adam Hangman Page. I mean, without those guys, I don't think there ever would be an AEW, man. So, I mean, I don't know how that's going to fit in the fold. I don't know if Tony Khan's still allowing them to be EVPs. I have no idea. But at the end of the day, you know, Matt and Nick Jackson helped start, you know, this company with Tony Khan with AEW. So uh, we'll see what happens when they come back. I do think they'll be back either, you know, at the go-home show or at Full Gear. Um, and it's definitely going to be really exciting to see those guys come back. You know, if they answer any questions about what happened, who knows? I highly doubt if they will. But it'll just be great to see, you know, Matt and Nick back, the Young Bucks, as well as Kenny Omega. So definitely looking forward to that. Uh, moving on from that, we have Jamie Hayter versus Sky Blue. This was a good match, back and forth matchup between Hater and Blue, with Hater keeping the pace of the match, but Hater ultimately picks up the victory over Sky Blue. Moving on from that, we go into our next match of the night. It is the main event of AEW's Dynamite. It is Brian Danielson versus Sammy Guevara in a two out of three falls matchup. I thought this was a great match, back and forth matchup between Danielson and Guevara, with Danielson keeping the pace of the match. Guevara then throws a chair at Danielson on the outside referee ends up seeing it danielson wins the first fall by disqualification guevara then quickly hits a gts on danielson pins him for the three guevara then wins the second fall danielson and guevara both exchange in the middle of the ring with guevara hitting a shooting star press on danielson to the outside danielson then applies a label lock on guevara but the hold is broken danielson then hits a running knee on guevara Guevara then gets up, hits a springboard DDT that looked absolutely insane on Brian Danielson, but Danielson ultimately applies another LaBelle lock on Sammy Guevara, and your winner of the match by submission, two falls to one, is Brian Danielson. Hats off to Brian Danielson for getting the win in that matchup. A couple things I'm going to say about Dynamite Man before I get out of here, man. This was a decent show. I know a lot of people are like, oh, it wasn't that great of a show. I thought it was decent, but what I will say is, do I think there is a little fall off with AEW right now? Yes, I do. 
Um, I don't think I don't know what Tony Khan AEW is doing right now, and I'm not going to be here and sit here and be like, "Oh, AEW is doing so great when they're not." No, they're not. I mean, it, that's the truth. They're not. They're, I, you clearly there's a fall off that's going on. They were obviously were not strong, you know, enough that they were in, you know year one or year two than what they are now, and it's a shame, man. You know, a couple of people that I know, you know, have mentioned that AEW needs another spark. You know, and I don't know if that's bringing someone else in, you know, a new talent, a fresh face. I have no idea, but they need some excitement. And credit, yeah, Dynamite last night was not the go-home show. That's next week. But they need to have something to spark fans' interest. And I think some fans are, you know, 50-50 on it, man, to be honest with you. You can definitely feel a change. I mean, like I said, last night's show wasn't that bad. But I felt like in some ways it was just being, it was lackadaisical is the best way I can describe it. Very lazy, lackadaisical. And that's it. I mean, yeah, credit, we had Soraya announce that she is medically cleared. That's one of the best things about last night's show. Then you have Samoa Joe turning his back on Wardlow. It looks like we might get Samoa Joe and Wardlow at full gear. And again, we have another video package from the Elite. That's pretty much the basis of the show, man, and obviously the main event between Danielson and Guevara. So three or four things out of the two-hour show that you got, that was probably the best thing you got out of that entire show. Um... With the Elite, like I stated earlier, man, I think they're definitely coming back at the go-home show, if not at full gear, um, which is definitely exciting. It's going to be crazy to see Soraya step back in the square circle again for you know being out of the ring for so long. Going up against Britt Baker is going to be absolutely insane. Uh, we have Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal teaming up to go up against Sting and Darby Allen at full gear. Again, some people may be excited about that. I am not. I do not think Jeff Jarrett deserves a pay-per-view match right now, considering that he's only been there now two weeks and uh, hasn't even wrestled on Dynamite yet. So not really too keen on that, not really a big fan of that. And to be honest with you, I don't know where this whole thing with Jarrett and Sting is going to go, to be honest, or Sting and Darby Allen, to be 100% honest. And uh, all in all, it was a decent night, man. I'm not, like I said, I'm not going to sit here and say that Dynamite was an awful show. But again, <laughs> it was definitely lackadaisical with certain things and i feel like it was it took a lackadaisical approach to AEW dynamite last night in my honest opinion but uh it was also announced too that i believe next year in 2023 that AEW dynamite will actually have an AEW dynamite episode in the uk which is absolutely awesome man i think the uk fans are absolutely awesome uh and to have dynamite over there and you know in over in the uk it's gonna be absolutely insane absolutely awesome and you know, I say this about, you know, when uh, AEW went over to, you know, had their first show in Canada. The Canadian fans were absolutely awesome that night, man. It was, the fans just made Dynamite so good that night, man. The fans, you know, Canadian fans were definitely invested in the Dynamite that night. It made for a great show. And I can only imagine what Dynamite is going to do over in the UK, man. It's going to be absolutely insane. So, but uh, this is my review of AEW's Dynamite. I hope you guys are out there staying safe. Be careful. and remember. Stay classic. Peace.